Well, good morning and welcome to worship on this fourth and final Sunday of Advent. Uh, throughout December, our worship series has been entitled Modern Christmas Movies as we unwrap the gospel in film. And today's feature movie is Christmas with the Cranks. Throughout the month, we have also been rehearsing the stories of Christmas from both Matthew and Luke. And today we hear from Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. As you're able, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of the gospel. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Amen. And would you please be seated. Welcome to church, where we are not afraid to use the word Christmas. Understand, I hope everybody here has happy holidays and a wonderful winter solstice and a festivus for the rest of us. But during Advent, the church gathers in anticipation and preparation for the celebration of Christ coming into the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And we are called to take that light and go out and share it with the world. But we recognize that we are fighting an uphill battle against our worldly culture. And I would submit to you that we have seen a sea change in our society over the past decades. When I was a child in public school, we had a Christmas tree in our classroom. We sang Christmas carols at the Christmas pageant. We exchanged Christmas gifts at the Christmas party before we went on Christmas break. People said Merry Christmas to one another. Manger scenes were proudly displayed on courthouse squares, and in 1965, a Charlie Brown Christmas debuted on primetime network TV with Linus reading the Christmas story. Fast forward to 2021, where for the most part, prayer and Bible stories are prohibited in the classroom. If there is a manger scene on a courthouse square, it has to blend with secular decorations. Merchants wish their customers a generic 
Happy Holidays, and the Salvation Army is banned in many locations. Some of you are familiar with Dave Barry, who's a syndicated columnist. He wrote an article about this phenomenon years ago, and in part he said, to avoid offending anyone, my children's schools have dropped religion altogether and started singing about the weather. At my son's school, they now have a winter program in February where they sing increasingly non-memorable songs like Winter Wonderland, Frosty the Snowman, and this is a real song, Susie Snowflake, all of which is pretty humorous since we live in Miami. A visitor from another planet would assume my children belong to the Church of Meteorology. I seldom listened to Neil Bortz before he retired on WSB, but I called a segment one time during December when he concluded his report by saying, remember, every time you say happy holidays, an elf dies. <laughs> it was back in 2002 that novelist John Grisham, who is famous for his legal thrillers, wrote a very short novel that was entitled Skipping Christmas, and it was made into a movie two years later retitled Christmas with the Cranks, starring Tim Allen, who's made a living out of holiday movies, and Jamie Lee Curtis. And the dust cover of the book read, Imagine a year without Christmas. No crowded malls, no corny office parties, no fruitcakes, no unwanted presents. That's just what Luther and Nora Crank have in mind. Their daughter, Blair, has left that fall for a Peace Corps mission down in South America. And Luther begins to figure it out. They spent $6,100 the previous year on Christmas with, quote, little to show for it, unquote. So with their daughter gone, the cranks decide they're going to skip Christmas and use the money that they save to go on a Caribbean cruise. However, as you might guess, the Cranks' plans have unintended consequences for all. In this friendly little town, there lived an enchanting family named the Cranks. Every year, they would celebrate Christmas together. Merry Christmas! Until the year their daughter Blair left for the holidays. This won't be the same. Then, Luther got a brilliant idea. We skip Christmas. We'll go bask in the Caribbean sun. We skip Christmas? What's up? No Christmas Eve party? Run away from Christmas, huh? A lot of the neighbors are pretty upset. Five months, two weeks, two days. They do not get frosty. Nora, stop Woo! the car. Talk to me, Nora. Woo! Please. Woo! Hurry, if you see my baby, please send a home. Hello? Mom? Dad? I changed my mind and I'm coming home for Christmas. What? Based on the best-selling novel, Skipping Christmas. We have only 12 hours, so we're going to perform a little Christmas miracle. Ah! I'm getting the ham. Uh, you get the train. What are you doing, Walter? Easy! Oh. 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 
I think most of us can empathize with the cranks to a certain extent. There are parts of Christmas we would all like to skip. Every year, I hear people complain, including myself, about the busyness of our calendars, the commercialization of the season, along with the secularization of our culture. And I've started a list of things that I really wouldn't miss, including fruitcake, overspending, unwanted presents, hectic schedules, crowded malls, shopping in general, overeating, traffic, figgy pudding. I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. Elvis Presley singing Blue Christmas, dirty Santa gift exchanges, and of course the latest supply chain issues. And every year we experience this and we have these conversations where we say, next year, we're going to cut back. We're going to simplify. We're going to slow down. How's that working out for you this December? Because every year we get caught up in it all over again. And we realize there's some things about the holiday season we could do without but other things we need to make sure we hold on to because some things are peripheral and others are essential. When I graduated seminary, I was driving a 1980 Honda Civic. And at my first appointment, I was making minimum salary for the conference and my budget was tight. So I did all the maintenance on the car myself. I am not mechanically inclined. And I had no clue what I was doing. That's never stopped me before. And I remember that 48 hours I spent replacing the water pump on the Civic. I finally got done. I was a mess, but I looked at my handiwork with pride. And then I glanced down at the driveway, and there were half a dozen parts left over. A long bolt, a nut a handful of washers, and to this day, I have no idea where they were supposed to go. But the car ran fine for another 10 years. Some things, apparently, you can do without. And some of what Christmas has become in our culture and in our world, we both could and should skip, and we would be better off. But there are other things we dare not miss. One of my pet peeves during December is when people abbreviate Christmas to Xmas. And it, it aggravates me for two reasons. First of all, dropping the name of Christ. <clears throat> I get all choked up about it. <clears throat> dropping the name of Christ out of the holiday removes the very meaning of it. But secondly, think about what X means. In math, X means the unknown. And Christmas is just the opposite. Christmas is all about God making God's self known in Jesus the Christ. That God came into the world as a helpless infant who grew up to become a man who proclaimed the kingdom of God breaking into the world who went to the cross, was crucified, dead, and buried, and on the third day was raised from the grave. And Christmas is about God revealing 
divine love and grace and peace in our lives. And that's something we dare not miss and should not skip. And in order to guard against doing that, we spend time in worship, in Bible study, in prayer, with family and with friends, in serving others, to reaching out to the least and the lost in the name of Christ, of sharing the story with family and friend and co-worker and fellow student and allowing Christ's light to so shine in our lives that others want to know what the difference is and want to be introduced to this person that we call Savior and we call Lord. This week I encourage you as individuals and as families, and especially if you're parents and grandparents, with your children to read and reread the Christmas story. Not Twas the Night Before Christmas. That's great. Read it too. I'm talking about the Christmas story. A few weeks ago, I talked about the fact that out of four Gospels, only two of them have the traditional Christmas story. Because for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the main focus is on the cross and the empty tomb. And out of the four, Matthew and Luke tell the story we're familiar with. But they're different. Matthew chapter 1 and 2 tells a story of the nativity with a focus upon Joseph. And Matthew alone tells a story about the star that shines in the night, of the wise men who travel from afar, of gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, of King Herod's murderous plot, and the Holy Family's flight to Egypt. Luke, on the other hand, in chapters 1 and 2, tells a story focused on Mary. And there we heard today the story of the angelic chorus and of the shepherds and how they saw what God had done, went and shared it with others, but then returned to their work-a-day world. And I'll talk more about this next Sunday, but it seems to me that the shepherds offer us a model for Christmas. To come and see and be amazed and transformed, and then go back into the ordinary world on the far side of Christmas as a changed people who share with others what God has done in our lives. If you've never read Skipping Christmas, and if you've never seen the movie Christmas with the Cranks, I don't want to spoil the ending. I will tell you that the novel is delightful. You can read it in a few hours. The movie is very entertaining, but there is an intriguing point to both that I find interesting. Nora and Luther Crank ultimately end up having their Christmas Eve party. And at the party, their pastor, played by Tom Poston, makes a cameo appearance. And they also mention that they have attended their church's Christmas Eve service in the past. But in the novel as well as in the movie, there is not a single mention of Jesus. Do you get the irony here that John Grisham, who is a Christian author who wrote a novel about the dangers of skipping Christmas that was made into a movie that shows the unintended consequences of skipping Christmas, skips the meaning of Christmas. 
It focuses on family and friends and not upon Jesus Christ. And they skip entirely what we are all about. I talked earlier about the commercialization of our culture and the secularization of our world. That is even extended to the calendar these days. For about two millennia, the church has celebrated Christmas on an annual basis. And the way that the calendar works, that means that Christmas falls on a Sunday about every six years. Unless it's a leap year, and then it skips from Saturday to Monday. And for 2,000 years, that has not been an issue. For a handful of times during my 40 years of pastoral ministry, Christmas has fallen on a Sunday, and inevitably I had church people approach me with a question, are we really going to have church on Christmas Day? And my response was always, yeah. Canceling Sunday worship because it's on Christmas in order to celebrate Jesus' birthday is like canceling Sunday worship on Easter because it's on a Sunday to celebrate Jesus' resurrection. I'm not naive. I know that churches enjoy record attendance on Christmas Eve, and when Christmas is on the following day on a Sunday, we will have a small number of people return. That doesn't determine what you ought to do. And so, go ahead and make your plans for December 25th, 2022, when Christmas is on a Sunday. We will be having church here at Northside United Methodist. But some of you will remember back in 2005 when Christmas on a Sunday became national news. First time in my memory. And it was because of the emergence of many mega churches in our region as well as in our nation. And almost to each one, they decided they were going to cancel services on Sunday because Christmas was occurring that day. And they had two reasons for it. One was legitimate reasons. They had required hundreds of volunteers in order to put church together on a Sunday morning that would not be available. And secondly, they wanted to give time off to their congregants as well as to their staff members. And I still recall to this day, uh, 16 years later, one spokesperson for a very prominent megachurch up north said, it's not just about being friendly to our families. It's about being lifestyle friendly to people who are very, very busy. It would be very easy to take pot shots at churches that cancel Christmas worship because it's on a Sunday. And so I'm going to. <laughs> to be fair, I realize we're all in this together, brothers and sisters in Christ, and we have churches that reach tens of thousands of people the week before Christmas. God continue to bless their ministry. But I think canceling church because Christmas is on Sunday sends the wrong message. In a culture that is increasingly commercialized and non-religious, much less Christian, we need to claim what is ours and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Understand, my family is a top priority in my life. And I will turn backflips to spend quality time and quantity amounts with those I love. But this isn't an either-or choice. At its best, church ought to enhance our relationship with family and friends rather than to detract from them. So here clearly, 
I really do hope you have happy holidays and a wonderful winter solstice and a festivus for the rest of us as you share your complaints and your feats of strength. But during Advent, the church, that's us, gathers in anticipation and preparation for the celebration of Christ coming into the world. God's light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And we, in turn, are called to go and share that light with others. This year, whatever you do, make sure you don't skip Christmas. Let us pray. Gracious God, in the midst of the busyness and hurried, hectic schedules of our lives, slow us down, remind us of who we are, and whose we are, and what the season is truly about. Teach us to love you, to love others, and to give of ourselves entirely to you as we celebrate the reason for the season, Jesus the Christ, in whose name we make our prayer. Amen.